Investor intelligence provides general information only. You should consider seeking independent advice to see how this information relates to your unique circumstances. Please refer to the terms and conditions available at investorintelligence.com.au for more. Guys, welcome back and thank you for tuning in to Investor Intelligence, brought to you by the team at The Property Mentors. It's your weekly podcast for all things investment, and it's hosted by me, Phoebe Sikowski-Wallace. This week, I have a fantastic guest. He's been on before, and I said I would get him back again as soon as I could, uh, and that is Brandon Owens from Willis Conveyancing. Now, we work with conveyances all around the country, in every state, and Brandon is the conveyancer used here at the Property Mentors within Victoria. Now, last time Brandon was on, he explained to us what conveyancing is, what a conveyancer does, why they're so important to have in your team of experts, and how they're different from a lawyer or a solicitor, which they're often confused with. But today I've invited him back to talk all things contracts. So what you should look for in your contracts, where a conveyancer can mitigate risk, and when is the best time to engage one. So I hope you find this episode helpful because as someone who didn't know until recently what a conveyancer was, I found this super insightful. Here's Brandon. So Brandon Owens, welcome back. It's great to see you again. It's great to be back again. So last time we discussed previously on our the last episode we did together, what conveyancing is, what a conveyancer does, um, and essentially, so essentially you're there to facilitate the transfer of land to the new owner's name and, you know, you help with reviewing contracts and the legal aspect of a contract of sale. Um, and I said I would, so I've brought you back again to this time talk about what to look for in your contracts of sale. So to get us started, as a conveyancer, what are some of the key points that you look for in a contract that you recommend uh, before someone signs their contract of sale? There's a couple of things I look at and I recommend it. Uh, reviewing contracts is something I do every day. So uh, there's a few things that I'll I'll head straight to to make sure it's is there before I go through much further. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the big things to look out for in the special conditions that are in a lot of contracts, they, they can be quite unfair at times. So my biggest thing is looking for unfair contract terms uh, mm-hmm. and special conditions that are going to result in my client paying more uh, in the event that something doesn't work out the way it should, or or even in some cases, just for requesting something very basic and rudimentary. The other thing I look for is I go straight to the Section 32 statement, which or the vendor statement, which is the vendor's disclosure about the property you're buying or you're looking at, and mm-hmm. in there, just making sure it's compliant. Uh, the Section 32 of the Sale of Land Act prescribes what the vendor must disclose to a purchaser, and you'd be amazed at how many times you look at a contract and that they haven't complied and haven't disclosed the right information. So that they're my two go-tos when I first look at a contract. 
Mm-hmm. Okay, I can definitely, even just from that alone, I can see why someone would want a conveyancer in yeah. their corner for sure. Yeah. So are there any contentious things that can be left out or added to a contract by either the vendor or the purchaser? Yeah, absolutely. Um, again, both falling one within the, the special, uh, sorry, special conditions of the contract and the other one within the Section 32 statement. When you're looking at the terms of the contract, uh, depending on the firm that has prepared the contract, if you're looking at it, um, quite often there'll be a number of special conditions that will basically force a purchaser to incur huge fees if something does go wrong. Um, often the fees that they prescribe aren't for the benefit of the vendor, they're actually for the benefit of the vendor's solicitor or conveyancer who's prepared the contract. So ah. they're the sort of things I look at first of all and say, these are a little bit rubbish, they shouldn't be there. Mm-hmm. Something that is quite contentious is there's part of the act that requires the disclosure of building works that are considered owner builder works. It's a really great area in a lot of respects and without going into it too deeply, uh, different practitioners have different um, ideas about what constitutes those works, Mm. um, which is fine, but the consequence of not correctly disclosing those works means that your contract is defective and a purchaser could avoid that contract at any stage of the process. So that's one of the biggest, most contentious parts of or sort of sections of the contract you can get is when Mm. there's non-disclosure of things that should be disclosed. Interesting. Okay. And what about if you want to make changes to your contract after you've signed it? Like what happens there? Changing a contract after you've signed it can be a little bit more difficult. Yeah. Technically speaking, you should uh, complete what's called a deed of variation, which will vary the terms of the contract signed by both parties and, and understood formally. You will find though that on a pragmatic basis, uh, often a mutual exchange of agreement between the party representatives, so myself as a conveyancer for my client and the vendor's conveyancer or vice versa, um, often that's satisfactory to, to, to amend the terms. But, but it's really a strong recommendation that you have your ducks lined up and that you have your contracts looked at first. You mm-hmm. negotiate all of those changes. Like, for example, I've got one at the moment where I'm helping clients who we request a number of contract changes and then we were presented with the contract again to sign and they haven't done any of the changes they've agreed to. So making sure we get that locked in before they sign it is way better than trying to do things after you've signed. Yeah, I mean, that that makes sense. So, yeah, But yeah. Um, so after they've signed their contract, the conveyancer helps with settlement as well. Is that right? Absolutely. So once uh, once the, the buyers and the sellers have signed the contract, there is a deal on foot. Uh, it's kind of left to us to make sure that that transaction then takes place. Mm. Obviously, there are obligations on the buyers and the sellers. They have to sign paperwork and obviously the buyer has to fund the money. But on a whole, um, we then take over and we go through and make sure banks are ready, make sure uh, PECSA is set up, which is where mm-hmm. all electronic settlements take place now, uh, and, and that sort of thing. So uh, we then also make sure that our clients comply with any of those special conditions, mm-hmm. uh, which, you know, as we discussed before, there can be some tricky ones in there. So we just have to try and make sure that our clients don't end up in a situation where it will cost them more money. Yeah. 
And what does your investor or your purchaser kind of have to be mindful of of getting ready for settlement? And and where can a conveyancer maybe mitigate any risks for them? The biggest uh, piece of advice I can give to any buyer or investor is to is if you're asked to do something, you do it. Um, quite often, uh, especially those who are investing in property, a lot of the properties are off the plan, which means that they haven't even yet started construction, so they could be like one, two, three years away from being completed. Mm. However, they'll get paperwork and documents to sign within the first month or so. Uh, it's really important that once they, when they get something, they action it because uh, I've been in situations where I have acted for investors before and, and home buyers who have bought and they leave things to the last minute. And mm. that causes issues because if there is a problem, you have, you have, you have no time to fix it, essentially. The right. only that something's done, the more time you've got to fix a problem if there is an issue. So um, that, that would be my advice, biggest, okay. biggest piece of advice. Yeah, is to make sure you do stuff on the top, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you're just doing everyone a disservice by not doing things on time and doing it when you're told, basically. I mean, that speaks for itself, really. Absolutely, yes. Yeah, and also, too, you can you can gauge, too, from who you've, who you've engaged to represent you. If you don't get anything until a week before settlement, then, you know, I'd perhaps be chasing them up saying, where's my paperwork? Property contracts are complex legal documents and you can't afford to miss anything important in your contract. That's where an expert conveyancer can help. They will ensure the contract is right for you and your situation and can help you understand any modifications that need to be made. Choosing a conveyancer may seem simple but shouldn't be taken for granted. Visit investorintelligence.com.au forward slash conveyancing for more. And so, so as I mentioned at the start, we've discussed previously that you're there to help facilitate the transfer of land between people uh, and you also help reviewing contracts and obviously the legal aspect. Um, but what are some of the risks that come with purchasing property as far as clauses that go into contracts? Um, some of the risks involved are that you will miss them or your representative will miss something or a key date is missed. Mm. Um, there's... It's very easy sort of uh, to look over something and think you have a full grasp of it. But there are little tidbits in there. So say, for example, you're buying a property that you require loan approval for. So your your contract is subject to finance, essentially. Uh, But your deposit was due when you signed the contract and you haven't paid your deposit yet. Mm. What people don't realise is that if you don't pay your deposit, you are technically in default of of the terms of the contract which therefore means you cannot rely on that loan condition of the contract, which means you can't get out of it if you can't get financed. So if you don't get approved, you can't pull out of the contract. You're stuck with it because you're in default. And it's little things like that are the risks. It's where it's where the representative or the client hasn't read the conditions properly. They're the biggest risks where mm. and the, looking at the wording around them and the timing of things. So a lot of contracts will have time time limits or time frames for certain tasks to be completed. Mm. Uh, sometimes unreasonably so, uh, but okay. uh, normally you can mitigate those and get them done because you're aware of it. Mm. But that, that's, they're the biggest risks about like the terms in contracts is missing dates. Yeah. That's I, I found the biggest risk. Okay. Yeah. I know I asked you this last time as well, but do you have any um, 
for lack of a better term, like any horror stories with a situation like that? Um, in terms of, of dates and things, luckily, I've been very lucky um, that I haven't had too many close calls. Um, we did have a client once who he was an older chap and super lovely. He was buying a home and an investment property. And he came into the office and brought his contract in. And I said, um, you do know this settles in three days. And he, he, he had read the contract wrong. He thought it was like the settlement wasn't for another sort of two months. Oh, no. But we had three days to get the settlement organised. So that was luckily he was paying cash or was using his own funds. So we didn't have to stress about bank loans or getting banks ready. Mm. And this was in the days of when everything was paper-based. So yeah. we were able to get things done pretty quickly. Okay. But, yeah, that, that's the closest call I've had, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think that's, that's, again, very close call. Oh, very close. So, yeah. So what should an investor be aware of when talking to their conveyancer? An investor should probably be aware of not just the dates in a contract, but what they're buying. Um, you'll find that especially if you're buying a property off the plan, there will be a list of inclusions, a list of specifications, uh, and just the rules around those because different developers will have slightly different uh, terms mm. that will allow them to make changes or make amendments or swap things out. Um, I guess the other thing investors should be aware of too is just that often it will be some time between when they sign a contract and when they actually have to settle. Mm. So they just need to make sure they're comfortable with where their finances are at and they're going to be in the same position in you know, 6, 12, 18 months' time as they are now. And if they think that's going to change, they're prepared for it. Yeah. They just keep that in the back of their mind. Mm. Yeah. Mm, very good to know. So, Brandon, is there anything else that you want to add that you think people should know about what to look for in their contracts? Um, I think keeping an eye out and, and trying to learn. So... Uh, one thing that I really encourage a lot of my clients to do is when I first start reviewing contracts for them, I will sort of make sure it's explained in plain English for them. Yeah. But then over time, they tend to be able to learn what to look for and they can ident start identifying themselves what those less than ideal conditions are. Mm. Uh, they can kind of get a feel if something's not disclosed properly or something should be disclosed, it's not. They start knowing what questions to ask They sort of, and those sorts of things. So... I think it's just important that when you are buying and investing, you learn from the process yeah. rather than just relying on that person. Mm. Um, it's really good when I get a client who uh, can come back to me and give feedback and sort of start talking to me about stuff. Yeah. Oh, I think that's great. Like really understanding the process is, yeah, as you said, as opposed to just relying on the expert to tell you what to do, to really understand what you're immersing yourself in. Yeah, absolutely. And being aware of what you're buying. Like, yeah, yeah. Don't go into a blind, really be engaged mm. and, and, and learn from that process. Oh, I think that's fantastic. Well, Brandon, again, I think I, I know this, our listeners will find this episode super helpful because, again, everyone knows contracts are a part of property investment, like the property investment journey. But I just think hearing a bit about the ins and outs really gives them that little bit more confidence and it just gives them that little bit more educational readiness and therefore that sort of peace of mind. I guess. Um, so yeah, so thank you once again for taking the time out of your busy schedule to sit down with me today. Absolute pleasure. Great to have a chat with you today. Make sure to follow the podcast on Instagram 
at Investor Intelligence Podcast. You can find links to our other socials in the show notes, including a link to the Property Mentors weekly blog. If you're ready to get your property portfolio in shape for financial freedom, check out Luke's latest book, Property Fit. You can get yourself a copy at www.propertyfitbook.com.au.